to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. All right, so let me start with a little story. A few years ago, a congregant came back on Easter to a Sunday service, and the minister wanted to be cheeky, and because that congregant usually only shows up at Christmas and Easter. Anyone familiar with that? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the minister wanted to be cheeky and said to the congregant, hey, why don't you join us in the God's army? And the congregant very seriously said, but pastor, I already joined the congregant's army. Really? Yes, I'm in the secret service. (laughs) So welcome back all of those who serve in the secret service. We thank you for your service. (laughs) But, you know, I was thinking about that. Why, Why is Christmas and Easter so attractive? And... There's really many reasons, isn't there? And they're very personal reasons. Sometimes it's because of family. We have family coming. Other times it's just because that's the most exciting uh, service that you can go to. And it's true because when you look at the Christmas story and look at the Easter story, they're both extremely powerful when you read them very closely and you take them to heart. Around Christmas, we talk about giving birth to our divinity. At least in unity, we believe that Christ is not just something that one person was given a long time ago. In unity, we believe that Christ is a divinity, an energy, a way of being, a way we can express ourselves in life, all of us. In many ways, Christ is existing, whether we believe in God or not, whether we follow the Christian faith or not, it does not matter. It's something that is inherent to all of us. So Christmas is powerful because we talk about the birth of that Christ within us, and Easter is powerful because we're learning a lot more about how we can continue to exist eternally, indefinitely, as we learn to tap into that creative process that is described to us very specifically throughout Holy Week. Now, if you were here when Cantor Sherry Allen was here, explaining the meaning of Passover and this time for the Jewish tradition, as you know, the Jews don't really follow much the Christian faith, but they have their own faith, and yet our Christian faith is seated in the Jewish tradition. Kentusheri Allen shared that in Jewish tradition, the Passover time is all about remembering the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt, and then that long journey of 40 years throughout the desert into the Promised Land. In Christian tradition, 
we have Palm Sunday that is entering the habitation of peace, as we interpret it, is entering Jerusalem, Jesus as the king of the Jews, and then the crucifixion, and then Sunday, the resurrection. So what I wanted to do today was just walk through you how this all works for us in our daily lives. Because it's one thing to say, how wonderful is it that two thousand years ago, one man was crucified, the body being killed through crucifixion, and then miraculously there was a resurrection, that may work for us. And if it does, great. But there's so much more to it that we can understand about what this is about. That the resurrection and the crucifixion are a process that we go through every single day. It's a very natural process. Now, you heard already the absolute word, part of this verse. I am the resurrection and the life. The full verse goes on, those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. This is from John Chapter 11, 25, and 26. What's really interesting about this is that this verse comes before Palm Sunday. This verse is situated before the triumphant triumphant entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. And does anyone know when Jesus is saying this? Any Bible geeks here? No? No? Say again? Raising of Lazarus. Yeah, Last Supper, it's after, after Palm Sunday, right? After entering Jerusalem, it's raising Lazarus. And if you remember from Palm Sunday, the last Sunday service, then you remember me mentioning that Bethany, the town where Jesus and the disciples stayed before entering Jerusalem, has significance. Every town in Hebrew, has a meaning. And Bethany is the town where Lazarus and his two sisters lived. And Jesus will go with the disciples and raise Lazarus from the dead. That all happened before Palm Sunday. It's actually a miracle that we often don't recognize having any connection with Easter. And there is a missing piece here. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus never spoke in ways that he said, I am the only one who is the resurrection and the life. He always spoke in terms of I am, and as much as I am, you are also. Why? Because he recognized as a rabbi himself that it leads back into Passover, which starts on Mount Sinai, or Mount Horeb, with Moses hearing God's real name from the burning bush. What's God's real name? I am. I am that I am. Go forth to the Israelite and tell them that I am sent you. That's why we affirm in unity, I am, 
as us being that. So we have here, I am the resurrection and the life, and that's really an affirmation that we can use for ourselves. Part of the beauty about Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday for a unity church is to re-emphasize that this is not just about the story for so long ago, but it is about us. Every single piece in all the stories that you can read from Palm Sunday till Easter Sunday, everything has to do with our own lives. And it's a recipe, a prescription, it's a guideline, a framework that helps us understand how to be just like Jesus, just like Buddha, just like any of the great religious leaders or spiritual leaders that we may follow. Starting with Palm Sunday. Now, I'm going to quiz you. You thought you can come to Easter service and not be quizzed, right? (laughs) So, there you go. So, what, what happens on Palm Sunday? Jesus enters Jerusalem, right? Who remembers what Jerusalem means metaphysically? Peace, right? So what does Jesus mean? We are Jesus Christ. We are represented as Jesus Christ. Whenever Christ shows up in any other story in the Christian scriptures, it's us. It's us in a very special way. It's us when we learn and find, learn to finally let go and let go of all the limitations and the judgments and the worries that we have. It's us stepping fully into the power the divinity that we are. That is what it means whenever Jesus Christ shows up. So when Jesus Christ walks into Jerusalem or rides on the donkey, on the colt, into Jerusalem, it is about us, right? We are riding into Jerusalem. We are riding into peace. We are the ones who are starting this journey at the place of peace. That's where it all begins, right? When we learn to be at peace at all times, that's when it is fulfilled. That's when the prophecy is fulfilled. That's when the second coming is fulfilled. That when heaven exists on earth, everything you can think of, paradise, the most miraculous thing in your life, That happens when we truly come to peace. Well, wouldn't it be great if it stopped there, right? It would be great if Jesus just can ride into Jerusalem, come to peace, as we sometimes come to peace in our lives, and then it just ends there. Wouldn't that be great, right? Ever been at peace in your life before? Anyone? Come on, more of you have been at peace. There you go, right? How long did it last? Eh, Five seconds? Ten minutes? Have you had one of those, you know, where you just are totally in the zone and say, oh, I'm so peaceful, and the phone starts to ring. You know, don't they know that I'm at peace right now, right? So that's what's happening, right? So that's why 
Palm Sunday is not the end of it. That's why the story continues. But it's a starting point. It's a starting point for all of us so that the rest may unfold. Now, there's lots of stories on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I'm going to skip all of them, because otherwise we will be here about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and we don't want to do that. But this is a significant part, as you know, on Monday, Thursday, just before the supper, the last supper, which I go into as part of the communion that we're going to take today. But the washing of the disciples' feet is very significant again for all of us. Why do you think it is? What is Jesus demonstrating here to his disciples? Humility? Service to others? To be humble? Yeah? It's the washing off. It's on one hand a very simple thing that everyone would do when someone comes and travels for a long time, they have dust in their feet, so you wash off their feet. But symbolically, what it means is that even a great teacher, just as Jesus Christ, would kneel down before his disciples, those who follow him, and wash their feet. What do you think that means for us? It means whenever we think we got it figured, we have it figured out. Now we got it. Now we are the Christ. Now we're divinity. And we are so, so clear on that, that everyone is wrong and I am right. <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> That's the time to kneel down and wash someone else's feet. Everything that happens in life is designed for us to learn something. We are attracting ourselves to these circumstances that come toward us to learn something. We're not always 100% responsible for it because we have a lot of people that are doing this together. So it's kind of a complex thing that we have to go through. But it's very important that we never ever forget that the ability to be humble just as Jesus washed the disciples' feet is a very important ability to have. And that's right in the middle of Passover, right in the middle of our story that we talk about today, right before communion. And as we take communion together, I want you to remember this, that we are to humble ourselves before us, before each other, and before God as we take communion. And to be humble doesn't mean to be weak. To be humble also doesn't mean to give up. To be humble just means to know there is so much more to learn. <clears throat> then, of course, Friday, we have Good Friday. And... We had a beautiful Good Friday service. Who was here today? Uh, not today, on Friday. Yeah, a few of you, right? So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I certainly did. Those who came in person got a little cross, a little wooden cross, and I talked about the meaning of the cross on Ash Wednesday, uh, beautiful symbolism around that. Good Friday 
usually is commemorated in a very sad kind of tone, right? Even when we discussed it on the platform chair team, <laughs> and, and, you know, let's make sure we're doing something dark and something <laughs> somber, you know? And I, I, I said, yeah, okay, okay, that, I mean, totally, I, I get it. But I almost wanted to do the, other, the opposite. <laughs> I almost wanted to come in, like, clown shoes and... You know, a fancy shirt and things like that. But, you know, not to make a point that even though we traditionally see it as something sad because the story talks about the death of Jesus Christ, it really has a much deeper and much greater meaning for all of us. And it's a necessity that we all need to learn in order for us to learn how to grow. We must let go of what no longer serves us. That's what crucifixion means. To let go what's no longer true. Not that easy sometimes, right? How do we figure this out? How do we know what is true and what is not true? Sometimes we have to do it through trial and error. And guess what? There's no better way than to test this than having a community like all of us. Every time we piss each other off, that's the trial or error. <laughs> that every time we get angry at each other, that's the trial and error. That's when we get to see what is the truth that's within us that shines above all the anger, all the sadness, and everything that is just tearing us down otherwise. So then we have an opportunity to let go just to be free of what is in the way. I love the Eastern traditions when it comes to that. The letting go part is always connected with a practice of surrender. Surrendering to God. Surrendering to the divinity that is within us. And so when we commemorate Good Friday... It actually is a joyous event because it's a joyous event because we get to once more remember all we need to do is let go. And I love my Maharishi's way of demonstrating how easy it is to let go. <clears throat> he would sit on this couch. We were about two, 250 monks serving, and he would say, this is how you let go. You hold your bottle, and once you're ready, that's it. You just open up your grip just a little bit. Do you really believe that that is so? I challenge you on that. You know, sometimes what I do before I'm finally willing to go, is I do this. Right? Don't take it away from me. Okay? Are you really sure you want this because I still need it so bad? Right? And it's the humanity we get to see in Jesus when he is on the cross, when he asks, why have you forsaken me? 
God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? Is that moment in time when he just still holds on instead of just letting it go. It's all there is to it. A simple opening of your grip. I want to, those of you who haven't been here, just go through the affirmations we said together on Good Friday. And let's just do it in one swoop, all seven words that we discussed together. I forgive and let go to embrace what is mine to do. I choose my life as I accept my paradise. I am a perfect expression of love ready to share with others. I am born and reborn to fully express my life in this world. I thirst for my own potential to realize my divinity. I am complete. I surrender myself to the goodness of all. There's a lot to it that we often miss. And that's why we take a day of rest. That's why the Holy Saturday is really supposed to be just one of rest. Because when you look back in your lives, on those moments in your lives when you truly let go of something meaningful, it probably wasn't that easy to do, was it? And sometimes we just deserve a moment of rest, a moment of acknowledgement, a moment where we get to say, thank you. Thank you that I have come to realize that I no longer need to do this. I no longer need to have this job. I no longer need to have these types of relationships in my life. I no longer need to beat myself up for whatever it is. All these things are ways for us to let go. But we need to take a moment of rest because we need to cherish the moment of letting go so that we are ready for guess what? The next day, the resurrection. And so the resurrection then is sold. I always felt it was sold to me when I grew up in the Protestant church in Switzerland as like such a miraculous thing, right? It was sold to us as something that only one man can do. What if we all can do this? What if we are all here to do this ourselves? We let go first, we rest, and then we resurrect ourselves anew into a new way of being. Now, you might think, well, I'm not entirely sure if I can do this. I'm not really sure if I'm ready. And I tell you, you have already done this hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of times in your life already. You may have just not recognized it. Every time when you make a decision, when you stop doing something that is hurting you and instead move towards something that is uplifting you, you're crucifying what no longer serves, and then you're resurrecting yourself and you. 
you become a completely new person. And we continue to do this over and over and over again until we're done with beating ourselves up, until we're done being hard on ourselves, until we're done with being limited. That's all there is to it. What I love about this picture is that we are seeing as the tomb, the stone is rolled away from the tomb, we look back on the crosses. And that is like when we sometimes learn something new about ourselves, when we look back where we were. And that can sometimes be really helpful to just simply see, wow, I was there. I was really at that point, and I'm finally let it go. To resurrect ourselves doesn't take a lot of effort. Like I said, it only takes a little bit of energy to let go, and that is the key to resurrect ourselves into a new way of being. Really, that is all there is to it. I think it's probably one of the most powerful stories we can read in Christian scriptures, a succession of stories that tells us very clearly, here is what you need to do in order to be better, in order to grow, in order to awaken, to be alive, to come to terms with who and what you are, and to finally stop fighting that. And that is an exciting story. So now, let us get ready for our communion. We have a few minutes. And what I've learned, this is probably the first time ever we take communion together at Unity Fort Worth, which is almost true because last year I did a Monday Thursday casual lunch and we did communion together. It was either last year or the year before, I can't even remember. But I know we've done like a casual thing, but officially, we're going to do this for the first time together. And the story about this communion, all is surrounding this institution of the Lord's Supper. And you have the text here that it says in Matthew, while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing, it, he, after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And I understand that often that created a lot of confusion in all of us. What do you mean, take and eat my body? So here is how we see this in unity. Bread, throughout the Bible, wherever bread or manna which is a different kind of bread, is mentioned, it means substance, universal substance, our daily bread, the substance of the omnipresent Christ within. Substance is not material yet. Substance is infinite possibility. It's potential. It's we need to tap into that bread, that substance, out of which everything is created. That is what bread symbolizes. 
And this is not just for the Last Supper. You see this all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, all throughout the Christian Scriptures. Whenever bread is mentioned, the feeding of the 5,000, the manna when the Israelites were lost in the desert, it all means that we have the potential to create anything we desire in our lives. And so he's not giving up his body. He's not inviting us to eat his body, but he's inviting us to take his spirit and understand that just as he did, we can do the same works and greater, greater works also. That we take his ability to tap into that bread, eat that bread, eat that substance, and out of that infinite potential, we can create everything we want. And then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, we assume it's wine, because that's all they drank back then, right? Um, (laughs) Wine also means water of life. We assume it's wine because he's mentioning blood. Blood is red. And symbolically or metaphysically, wine means vitality. It's the water of life, life energy, vitality, that forms the connecting link between us the body, and the soul. So now, after drinking, after eating the bread, remembering that we can create out of nothing everything we desire, we take the wine and we put all vitality, all energy of life into it. In a sense, in these two elements is represented the entire creative process. And that's all there is to it. And when we take communion together in just a moment, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember as you take the waiver, that is your ability to create anything in your life that you can possibly imagine and that is connected to a true desire. And as you drink, the juice, it's not wine, so for those of you who are wondering, it's just grape juice, that represents your life's energy that you put into those desires. In a way, communion brings to a conclusion the story of Easter. One thing that's always missed as far as I have seen, is the last verse in this story. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Mountain means higher states of consciousness, higher higher awareness, higher ways of being, and olives means love and wisdom, oil, so to speak. Mount of Olives means the exalting of divine wisdom and love which is compassion in consciousness. So when we do this together, when we eat the wafer, when we drink the juice, 
we remember that out of nothing, we can create everything we desire, and we put our energy in it, we are tapping into that way of loving and wisdom and being compassionate. So, let us take our cups and actually, before we do that, does anyone not have a cup? Raise your hand if you would like one. You don't have to participate if you don't want to. Everyone has a cup? There we go. So just to explain how this works, so there's two, there's, there's a little clear film on top. You just have to kind of pull it on your side. And when you pull this open, it will get you to the waiver. And then you have to crack it in order to get to the juice. That's how you get to it, right? So we do this together, and then we will say the Lord's Prayer together to emphasize the communion that we take together. And then we'll move into meditation. And after the meditation, everyone is welcome to line up in rows of twos here to get to the flower with your affirmation. Okay? Communion, Lord's Prayer, meditation, flowers. Ready? All right. So let's take, let's see if we can... This is the first time I'm doing this with this thing, so let us take the bread. Remember that the bread of Christ is the possibility, the all-inclusive, the substance out of which we can create anything we desire. And if it sticks on the top of your roof, in your mouth, don't worry, just like it does with me right now. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It still works. So. Okay. And I don't know if you can do this without making a mess. I love doing things for the first time. It never goes like you envision. Okay. So you crack open your juice. And remember, as this juice represents the vitality of life that we bring to anything we do. And we add this to the substance that we create. And you can, you're welcome to hold on to it and as you pick your flowers after the meditation, you can just discard of it. We have some ushers with some bowls ready for you. So let us now take a moment, just for a few minutes, and take it all in in meditation. Actually, I was rushing things. Let's do the let's do the um, let's do the Lord's prayer together. There we go. See, first time for everything. All right. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our kingdom come. Thy will be done, 
in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So I invite you now to close your eyes if that's comfortable and turn your senses for a moment inward. Just take a deep breath. Allow your breath to bring in the life energy and exhale everything that you are ready to let go. And for the duration of this meditation, this is what we imagine. We breathe in the energy, the vitality of life as represented by the wine. We rest for a moment, allow substance to form and create. And as we exhale, we simply let go and forgive. We crucify those things that no longer serve. We do this freely without holding on. We do this joyfully. And just wait again for a moment to see how we resurrect the new. So we allow this process to take place consciously. A process we call the creative process. A process that takes us from one moment to the next. A process that allows us to grow, to learn, to be a presence, be just like Christ 
process that is so innate that it feels natural. The process that allows us to be more kinder and more loving. A process that allows us to be just be and resting the clarity and glory of who and what we are. So we remember once again that we are the resurrection and the life. We all share that together. We enter with glory our peace. We humble ourselves before each other as we recognize the Christ in all of us. We surrender all that no longer serves. We get out of the way. And just for a moment, just for a little moment, we rest. And then we rise up. Together we can affirm that we are complete. As we rise out of nothingness into the beauty and the grace that we are, we find completeness and wholeness as the only that remains. So let us move through this meditation as we come to a closing in gratitude. We remember all those things that we are grateful for right now. And we hold them in our hearts and minds in this perfect harmony that we always seek. And we allow the things and the people that we are grateful for to rise up with us, resurrect into a new way of being. And we do so individually as we do so together. As we say thank you for being here, thank you for joining us. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org.